Hello again, hello, to quote Neil Diamond. This is the Rocker Dog Podcast, the first and only podcast that talks to musicians about their canine companions and the wonderful gifts they bring to our lives. I'm your host, Tim Dill. At my feet is my good boy, Charlie. And today we welcome to the show, Nate Garrett, frontman of the band Spirited Drift, whose latest album, A Ghost at the Gallows, was released on August 18th and available everywhere. And these are his sibling, Rocker Dogs. Okay, well right now, uh, and for the past, I guess, three years, we've got a brother and sister named Hank and Dolly. Their dad is a black lab, sort of chocolate lab, and their mom is a golden retriever. Okay. Interesting. And they're both two black dogs, right? Yeah, they're both black. They had like one or two siblings, I believe, that were golden. Hank is sort of when he's out in the in the sunshine, you can sort of see like the chocolate or almost brindle. Yeah. Um, and he's definitely build wise, he's more of a lab like the dad. And uh Dolly, his sister, is definitely more like a golden retriever, like shorter and stockier, you know? Okay. And the names, am I safe to assume those are music-inspired names? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And <laughs> our our last dog before we got these two, uh, her name was Lizzie. We named her after Thin Lizzie. So okay. it's becoming a bit of a tradition, you know? So you went from a straight-ahead, hard-rocking dog name to kind of a country-themed name. Any impetus to that? Kind of, yeah. Um, moving to Texas, you know, I I grew up in the south i was born in florida and did all of my grade school through high school stuff in oklahoma and lived in arkansas for a while and i always identified with sort of rural small town southern living and mm-hmm. grew up listening to uh all kinds of stuff but everybody around me listened to country old country you know what i would call classic country music um, right and my wife and i moved to texas actually March 1st of 2020, right before everything shut down. And we got the dogs probably three weeks a month after we moved down here. And I, I just had it in my mind that I wanted some country dogs, you know? Mm-hmm. How long a gap was it between Lizzie and the other dog and the new dogs? So we had Lizzie for seven years. And unfortunately, she passed away in January, I think January 1st, 2020. Okay. And this was right in the middle of us. We had been talking about leaving Phoenix. We were in Phoenix, Arizona at the time. And we'd sort of been tossing the idea around of leaving for a while. And that that happened in the midst of the move sort of becoming more of a reality. And yeah, so we lost Lizzie January 2020 and moved to Texas. Yeah, like I said, March 1st. And then got the dogs probably a month after that. So it was only... Man, it was probably only three months. And Mm -hmm. to be honest, it it was probably at the time it was too soon. I think it like emotionally, I don't think either one of us was ready quite yet. But, um, you know, I, when we moved to Texas, I was supposed to be on tour only like a month after that. And my wife was working. We were living out in the country just outside of Austin, you know, and Mm -hmm. I, I knew people in Austin, but I didn't know anybody quite out where we were and when everything shut down i might as well have been in 
another country, you know? So I just, I got really lonely just being out by myself during the day and out in the woods. And I was just kind of losing it, you know, so used to having the dog around. Um, so we started looking, my wife found him on Craigslist and we, we actually rescued him from a pretty gnarly situation and, uh, it's cliche, but we saved them and they sort of saved us. Eventually we got emotionally, uh, I don't know, ready again to, to love some dogs, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I've heard that quite a bit that, you know, there is this big gap between dogs because it does take, take such an emotional toll losing, losing a dog. And often I hear times of people will foster just to kind of bridge that gap. But yes, I understand that, you know, how, how you could feel maybe it, it was too soon, but I want to unpack this, uh, these rescues, because I was curious, because I kind of have a top line of, of a little bit of this situation. But right off the bat, I was like, where did it begin? And you just mentioned it began on on Craigslist. So were you guys actively looking on whatever Craigslist and whatever, if there's these dogs apps I keep hearing about? And how did you go about finding these, these pups? Yeah, uh, well, we were both pursuing different methods. The drummer for Spirit Adrift plays in another band called MOD with uh, Billy Milano, who used to be in Stormtroopers of Death with the Anthrax guys and everything. And Billy, this is actually before I even met the guy that's drumming for Spirit Adrift now. But through another friend, this guy told me that Billy Milano worked with a dog rescue in Austin. And so he put me in touch there. And I, I was kind of pursuing that angle. And my wife, Nicole, was pursuing different angles. And she just found this Craigslist ad in uh, Red Rock, Texas, not to be confused with Round Rock, which is like sort of the fancy North Austin, right? This is Red Rock, which is quite different. It's real close to where we were living at the time. We were in a little place called Cedar Creek, very country, super rural. Mm -hmm. Um, So we saw pictures of these, I think there were five of them. And we drove out, we got in touch with the people and drove out there and it was such a bizarre place. It it was, I don't know if the people were even living there. There might've been like a couple of structures that people were living in, but there was like a big open barn and it was just madness. It looked like something out of a Rob Zombie movie. They had like <laughs> weird statues everywhere. And I would assume, I hate to make assumptions, but there's probably some methamphetamine type stuff involved going right. on. You know, it was just really weird and people were strange. They told us they were trying to make this place into a wedding venue, but I mean, it looked, it looked like something out of like the Texas Chainsaw (laughs) Massacre or something. For for uh, one of those themed weddings. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't know who would get married out there. Uh, But yeah, they, they just had a bunch of animals running around like Hank and Dolly's parents were out there. I mentioned them earlier, but then there were like other full-size dogs running around and just literally wild, like basically feral animals. Uh, And there were only two puppies left when we got there and it was Hank and Dolly and they were, they wanted to get out of there. They, they made a big impression on us, you know, came right up to us and they were playing in front of us and just showing us everything they could do, you know, trying to, trying to get out of there. I feel like, and it was, when I saw the conditions they were in, it was no question, like, we're taking these dogs, you know? Yeah, that's crazy. I heard you say on another interview that um, the people came across as, like, it was kind of contradictory, but they were like, oh, we're so happy for you to adopt these dogs. We 
we care about these dogs and yeah. you felt like, well, if you cared about them, they wouldn't be in such a neglect. Yeah. That stands out in my mind for sure. That's something I, it's weird what, what you remember long-term about interactions like that. But I did find that to be like, you know, at the time I just wanted to get the dog. So it was like, okay, I'm not going to judge these people or say anything to them or anything like that. But it, it's in retrospect, like seemed like such an odd comment because all these dogs were basically fighting each other out in the wild to eat. And, um, you know, our puppies, when we got them home were, I don't think they'd ever been inside a, a enclosed building. Right. Um, they were probably three or four months old. We think when we got them just like full of worms crawling with fleas, I used to just take them one at a time and lay them on my lap and just watch their bellies and just watch the fleas. Ugh walk across their bellies and have to pick them off because we couldn't they were too young to give them any medication or anything like that so they were yeah it was an odd comment to say we love our dogs so much and it's like <laughs> well you got you got a strange way of showing that well you know? looking back do you think they're being manipulative or they're ignorant ignorant okay so yeah, they definitely. thought they were doing you know they thought they were running a legit operation i guess <laughs> whatever that operation may be what about the mother? Did the mother did the mother look like she was a breeder? Eh, not really. I you know, I just think um I don't think these people would even consider themselves breeders. It's just everything was going along unchecked, you know. It just yeah. I th I think it's probably um you know, country ass people and I'm a country ass person, but there's like country people and there's no offense, but like white trash, you know, that probably yeah. just doesn't know any better. It's probably the way that things have been running in that family forever. The humans themselves were probably came up neglected, yeah. you know, so they don't know any difference that they probably aren't of a culture that, you know, you make sure and take the puppies and get the proper vaccines and get everybody fixed and everything like that. They probably just letting stuff run its natural course. You know, I, I would imagine that's the way that they look at it. Yeah. And I also picked up that Hank had uh, problems with his hips. Yeah. Um, and credit to my wife. She, I, I must've been like forcefully ignorant about it, but she noticed that pretty early on. Um, he was born with hip dysplasia, you know, genetic hip dysplasia. And we almost think that they, these were the last two dogs in the litter. And I think that maybe they got smushed together coming out or something because his hips are real narrow and dolly <laughs> she has like a pretty narrow head uh for as big as her body is so you know they're special uh truly special but yeah he he was crying a lot on the drive home and we thought maybe it's because of the anxiety of the new situation probably had never been in a car you know didn't know who we were but after a while i started like i said my wife noticed at first she said i think there's something wrong with his legs. And I was just like, no, 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 let's not, let's not go there. Everything that we had gone through with Lizzie, you know, I didn't want to try to not be paranoid, you know, but one day I just noticed that he wasn't, he couldn't get up and walk. And I thought mm. maybe something neurological was going on. That's what happened with Lizzie. She got something called Valley fever, which was like a fungal growth on her, on her spine that really affected her um, motor functions and stuff. So that's where my mind went, you know, I was traumatized from all that. And so we, I rushed him in and they took x-rays and stuff. And 
realized that both of his hips were out of socket. Jeez. Was that an easy thing to fix once it was diagnosed? Not really. Um, it's, we couldn't operate for a year because we needed him to be skeletally mature, you know? Right. And, and here we were fresh off of this really, um, for lack of a better word, like traumatic experience with our last dog, you know, that it was a really, um, difficult thing to go through. And here we got these new puppies to make ourselves feel better. And this poor guy, you know, physical issues right off the bat. So, uh, he got put on pain medication for a year. So he had, he had to take pain pills for the first year of his life. And then we found a place in Austin called Aves, A-V-E-S, uh, that was just great, but we had to replace both of his hips. Wow. Now, is that part, I got, I can't remember where I got this from, but in the beginning, I don't know if this is behavioral or just, you know, you're describing a lot of issues you're having, but you, I got the note that you weren't sure it was working or if you liked them at first, um, and they eventually won you over. So I'm wondering where, where does that stem from? I know where you got that note, actually. The So we had a vet in Austin, just almost like a you know, primary care physician for a human. And they gave us a list of recommended places for surgery. And the first place that we called, it was so confounding and confusing. We talked to the surgeon and he was an asshole. He just, his attitude was like, it was horrible. It, it was like, um, he was complaining that they didn't have supplies to do it, which, okay, that's understandable. But then he just went off on this tangent about like, well, half the time this doesn't even work. And, you know, mm. he almost sort of like insinuated that if you have a dog with that issue, you should just put the dog down. And I'm like, you're, a, you're a surgeon whose special specialty is like fixing dogs like this. And you're yeah. sort of implying that it's too much trouble for you. And it, it was like one of the strangest experiences I've ever had. So we, we ixnade that place. I don't even remember the name of that place, but I wish I I did so I could steer people away. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> now the second place on the list that we got was, was Aves, which is out sort of by Lake Travis, like in Hill country yeah. in Austin. And, um, they were the opposite, you know, they have surgeons who come up from Houston on the weekends and these guys were just like so dedicated and so positive and emotionally supportive, which I think a lot of doctors overlook that element of like, yeah. you know, we need you to fix our dog, but we kind of need some like reassurance ourselves, you know? Yeah. So they were great. A Aves was like incredible from, from the jump. Okay. Well, interesting. I, cause I read that as or my notes, I had it as there were problems at first and you were unsure. I almost felt that it would, my note was more, you were unsure, you know, you could commit to the dogs or the dogs were working for you, but I'm glad to hear it was more, the problems were just with what you described, you know, totally just the, the help you were looking, you were seeking out. Yeah. No, by this time, uh, I don't know about Nicole. I think it took her a little longer, understandably, but I was, completely attached to the dogs at that point. And when I realized there was something wrong with his hips, I wanted to fix it like then and there. And it was mm -hmm. kind of excruciating that we had to wait a year. Uh, but no, he had, he had completely won me over by that time. Okay. And what's the brother sister dynamic? Like, I feel like, you know, when I launched this show and I've talked to a number of artists, I've, I've kind of experienced more dogs than I remembered that I've experienced, but I can't remember experiencing siblings and the dynamic between the two so what's that like 
they are inseparable. They just love each other so much. And I yeah, uh, figured from day one. Um, and it was, there was a lot of thought put into our decision-making with getting, first of all, two dogs and also getting a boy and a girl. Cause you know, when I was at the height of my touring before COVID, I was, I was gone a lot and my wife yeah. works full time and she felt pretty guilty about having to leave Lizzie alone by her, by herself at home. So I, my master plan was, well, when we get to Texas, we'll have two dogs so that Nicole won't have to feel bad when she goes to work because these dogs will have each other. You know, it's funny. I didn't get back to touring for another two years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I pretty much was like full time just raising, raising the dogs um, from 2020 until 2022, basically. But yeah, they, they just love each other, love each yeah. other. They do everything together. We trained them from early on. They eat their meals just right next to each other. Their bowls are in like the same platform. Yep. They don't fight over food. We, I, I was very particular about that, uh, making sure that they don't fight over anything. They know that they're both going to get equal everything, whether it's like treats or attention, or if you pet one of them for 30 seconds, you got to pet the other <laughs> one for 30 seconds. And so it funny. worked. I mean, they just, they are best, best, best buds, you know? Yeah. You love to see that. And I'm sorry, just going back one step, you were mentioning you, you guys were seeking out a boy, a male and a female or just yeah. to go that way. Yeah. Um, I've, I've read a lot that two female dogs usually will have trouble getting along. Uh, they tend to be like sort of territorial. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about two boy dogs, how that dynamic is, but for whatever reason, yeah, we thought it would work best to get mm -hmm. a boy and a girl from the same litter and just okay. raise them with equal love and attention, like I said, and uh, so that they would never have to be alone when we're both gone. Yeah. And it sounds like you're confident in your training. Did you do all the training yourself or was there a third party ever? No, there wasn't. Um, I grew up with dogs, you know, I had a, okay. I had a Jack Russell Terrier growing up. I think I got him in when I was in third grade, his name was Rocky and I sort of trained him. And then he got a friend named Taffy, a girl, Jack Russell Terrier. So I, I had some experience and, uh, you know, we had Lizzie for seven years and trained her on our own. And mm -hmm. these two are good. They, uh, you know, we're on 11 acres out here and they like to chase deer and uh, rabbits and lizards and stuff like that. And they're a little bit wild. They're country dogs for sure. But when when it's something serious and they need to listen, they listen for sure. Right. That's cool. They are, I mean, that's a smart, you know, the mix of lab and golden retrievers are smart breeds mm -hmm. regardless. Um, let's give Lizzie a little, uh, a little love here. What was, um, let's go back, you know, to the beginning of, of, of her life. What was, what was going on in your life when uh, she came about and, you know, the decision to get her at the time? Man, I didn't realize it until a lot later. My wife told me, you know, pretty recently, I was in a bad spot. That was sort of, uh, you know, I've been sober eight years. And that was a couple of years before I got sober. And it was dark, dark, bad times. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, my wife suddenly wanted to get a dog. And she told me later that it was sort of, she thought it might help me get out of that. And I think it did in retrospect, I think it really helped. 
Uh, but her friend, my wife's friend, had a litter of pit bull black lab mix dogs. And we mm -hmm. went and uh, met her. And there were like three or four of them left when we got over there. And as soon as we walked in, she looked right at me and walked to like a pee pad and peed on the pad, staring at me as if, <laughs> you know, look, I already know how to do this, you know? <laughs> and then she walked up and grabbed my pinky in her mouth. And I was oh like, my well, gosh, that's the dog and uh, <laughs> took her home. And yeah, man, un unfortunately, you know, I was kind of, I was pretty checked out for the first couple of years of having her, which I, I don't have a lot of regrets, but that sucks. I wish I wish I could do that differently, but, um, I got a good, like five year, four or five years with her where I was fully present, you know, and she was special, really special. That's a really, that's two really smart, obedient, loving breeds, you know, pit bulls for a long time. Yep. When I was growing up, especially there was like this basically propaganda about yeah, the breed. stigma. Yeah, definitely. But I, I had met some really awesome pit bulls when I lived in Arkansas that won me over and, uh, Lizzie was awesome, man. And we, we put her on the cover of um, this album we put out in 2020, Enlightened in Eternity. So she's immortal on there, you know? Yeah, I was, I was going to mention that. Now, do the dogs ever make, uh, I mean, do they ever make it on an album with a howl or do they ever make it on your body art? Uh, yeah, I, I got Lizzie's paw like tattooed on my left side here. My wife does also. The I don't know that the dogs, there's, yeah, there are there are coyotes on the new album, uh, but okay. it's not Hank and Dolly. Okay. <laughs> they're they're not big howlers. They'll bark at like the Amazon guy, but we needed some real like we got coyotes out here that go ballistic and it's really spooky sounding. Um Lizzie's collar actually is on the last song on Enlightening Eternity. You hear it almost sounds like a tambourine or something. Mm -hmm. uh, that's her collar. And then also the guy that was drumming at the time, Marcus, his dog moved on to the next realm around the same time, strangely enough. So we had their collars kind of doing some uh, tambourine like sounds with those. That's great. It's great to immortalize them. It's profound to me that you mentioned, you know, your sobriety and I know the dogs didn't cause it, but I know a lot of times we talk about, you know, the benefits dogs have on your mental health. Do you find that? Do you find that they're a calming influence or, you know, at least having something to care for takes you away from, you know, it over eternalizing or whatever it may be? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a selfish person by nature and a self-centered person. I think every addict is that way. And in a way, every artistic type person is that way. It, it goes hand in hand with both creativity and, and addiction and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's crucial to, I mean, I love these dogs as much as I love anything, you know, and Hank and I particularly have a, a special bond, you know, since he was a little puppy, he liked to sleep on his back because of his hips. Mm -hmm. I think that would alleviate the pain in his hips so I would just take him from, you know, three, four months old and put him on my chest and be watching a movie or TV or whatever. And he would just sleep on my chest and he, you know, he's like 70 pounds now and we still do that. <laughs> you know, he'll, he'll come up on the bed at night and just sleep right on my chest for however long. And then all I got to do is say, okay, buddy. And he gets right down and goes to his bed on the floor. Um, and that's just, that is uh, invaluable. You know, you yeah. can't, you can't quantify what that does for your soul. Yeah. 
it's a canine weighted blanket. I mean, yeah, my dog exactly. does the same thing, but you, you like that pressure, you know, that pressure feels good. It's like being at the dentist's office and having that lead blanket on you, but yeah. you know, yeah, I, I can't get enough of my dog and my sister's got a 70 pound pit bull that just, he just wants to be on you. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, listen, I wrap up every show with what I call the zoomies and that's just the last five quick questions. They don't have to be quick, but, uh, the first question is, do you kiss? Hank and Dolly on the mouth. Uh, not really. My wife, she gets her fair shit. She does enough for both of us. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. I'm going to calculate the, uh, that answer. I think it's probably, it might be 50, 50 of yeses and nos. Yeah. I, I don't care if they lick me on my face or whatever, but I'm not, I'm not making out with them. You know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, given their names, uh, does each dog have their own theme song or what would their theme song or walk up music to the plate or walk up music to the ring be? Man, it's funny. Uh, so I've had all kinds of different morning alarms since we've had them. You know, we, my morning alarm for a while was stranger in a strange land by iron maiden. So they got used to hearing that song. And then I changed it to for the past few couple years. It's been, um, don't ask me no questions by Leonard Skinner. So they get excited when they hear that, but their favorite song, you know, we had Hank on a very specific schedule because of his medication and stuff like that. So we had alarms for when we were supposed to feed him and give him medicine and stuff like that. And I was reading uh, Rob Halford's autobiography at the time. And he talked about getting sober. He got sober in the middle of making the turbo album by Judas mm -hmm. Priest. And he mentioned that the first song he sang when he came back to the studio after getting sober was the last song on Turbo. It's called Reckless. And I got really obsessed with that song, uh, especially reading the backstory and how much it meant to him and what an intense experience it was for him to track those vocals freshly sober. So I made Reckless by Judas Priest their alarm for getting fed. Okay. So now when they, that's their song. When they hear that song, they just go ape. And it's funny. They can tell the difference between that song and other songs that sound really, really similar. They don't react at all to like, I'll play some Dio songs that sound very similar yeah, or anything like that. And they just, they don't have the same reaction. So reckless by Judas priest is their both of their theme song for sure. I love it. I love it. I think that might be the best answer I've I've gotten so far with that question because it's so it's so you know pointed into something. Yeah. All right. Question three. I know the dogs probably don't tour with you, but if they toured with you, what would they insist be on your tour rider for them? Ooh, blueberries. Really? Um, yeah, they love blueberries, and um, yeah, that's it, man. I think that and watermelon. I guess maybe uh. We try not to give them string cheese all that much, but if you open a string cheese wrapper, they can almost like be outside and they'll still hear it. You know, so yeah, blue blueberries, watermelon, and occasionally string cheese. I guess. Okay, I can see that in a backstage area. All right, question four is: Do you use a dog voice to speak to them? Do you go uh, high pitched baby voice or? Yeah, definitely. How about do you give either one of them a voice? Do you personify them with a voice you figured, you know, characterize them? 100%. She's, he's like kind of Andre the Giant 
somewhere in there. Um, Eeyore a little bit. And she's more like the Joker or something like Mark Hamill. She's crazy. She gets crazy eyes and <laughs> she's like very twitchy and high alert. So she's kind of Joker-ish and Hank's Andre the Giant a little bit. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, is there a dog organization or service you'd like to give a shout out to? It could be a rescue. It could be a walker, a sitter, anything you want. Yeah. I want to shout out our vets just because they have done so much for both of the dogs and I mean, they might, the dogs might not be alive if it wasn't for some of the medical care. So like our main vet is Manchaca village. What is it called? Manchaca veterinary village or something like that. Okay. um, Then AVES, I think it's Austin veterinary and emergency services or surgery or something like that. Uh, You can find them both online, I'm sure. But if you're in the Austin area, both of those places We've tried different spots and we love, love, love both of those places. And they've saved our sanity and done a lot of good for our dogs and a lot of other dogs, I'm sure. Excellent. All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll look it up and I can provide a little bit more information in the outro to uh, our audience. Um, what's the best way to keep up with Spirited Drift when your music is coming out, when your tours, you know, your comings and goings? Yeah, well, beat the algorithm and just go to spiritadrift.com. I personally update that website. We have a mailing list that I really don't bother people unless it's something huge. I'm going to send out an email when our pre-orders for the new album go up. And uh, yeah, spiritadrift.com. Nobody sees anything we post on Facebook anymore. You have to buy ad revenue or uh, I don't know. The the algorithm's just beating us all down. So spiritadrift.com and you'll get info straight from us okay it sounds good well nate thanks for giving me your time i loved hearing the stories about hank dolly and lizzie and uh i appreciate it and best luck to everything in the future thanks tim i i really enjoyed this man hey thank you i appreciate that all right thank you nate garrett of spirit adrift for coming on the show and talking dogs with us Spirit of Drift's latest album, A Ghost in the Gallows, is out now, and they'll be playing Metal Injection Fest with Testament, Machine Head, Fear Factory, and others on September 17th at the House of Blues Anaheim. For tickets, go to spiritadrift.com. The dog folks Nate chose to give a shout-out to were his vets at Manchek Village Veterinary Care, who since 1975 have provided low-stress comprehensive vet care to patients to enhance their well-being and quality of life. To learn more or make an appointment, visit manshekvet.com. Now that's a bit tricky in spelling and pronunciation. So that is M-A-N-C-H-A-C-A-Vet.com. Nate also praised the work of AVES, A-V-E-S, which stands for Austin Veterinary Emergency and Specialty Center that C is extra and drops off. They are a comprehensive veterinary hospital consisting of -of state-of-the-art technology and compassionate doctors and staff who are committed to providing the highest level of integrated care for each and every patient. To learn more or make an appointment, go to austinvets.com. Thank you for tuning in to this week's show. To see pictures and videos of our guests and their adorable dogs, follow us on Instagram at rockerdogpodcast. We look forward to bringing you another great episode next week with a middle American rocker who just added two more dogs to his family 
since recording his episode to bring his total to five dogs, so please join us to hear about his first three. All right, it's time to switch gears to my real job. We'll see you next week, everybody.